0: Hello, and welcome to our Hope Story Circle by the Peace Alliance, and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance. And I'm joined today to facilitate by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is our board chair. Yelena Bobovich is our teaching, peace, and schools lead, and she's usually with us, but she got sick this morning. So she's not with us. She's resting at home so she can get better soon. And our special guest today is General MacArthur Hambrick. And General is a dear, longtime friend of mine. And I'm so excited to have you here to join us, General. Can you come on mute and just say hello? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> It's great to see you. Before we get started, um, Liz, do you want to lead us in a short
1: meditation to just bring us all in together? Are you on mute? You're on mute. Liz is on her phone today because her computer is acting strange. Can you come off mute? She's trying. Oh,
0: would you prefer me to lead the meditation? Or are you okay? <laughs> For those on the podcast, her image is jerking all around. I think she's trying desperately to, to make something happen on her phone. And she's not quite getting it. She needs to make it happen, though, because we need to hear her speak some parts of today, if not the meditation. What do you think, Liz? Not working. Okay, let me take it then. All right, I invite everyone to take a deep breath and exhale. And another deep breath in and exhale. And as you exhale, let all of this tension come out of your body, let your shoulders relax, your neck relax. Feel your sit bones on your seat. Feel your feet on the floor. Feel your body open up. And as you breathe, just notice the space around you. Notice the air around you. And notice how all the tension is falling away. Relax your eyes, relax your jaw, relax your neck, relax your shoulders, your hands, your arms, your legs, your feet, your hips, your knees. Let everything fall away and feel restful. And breathe. And as you feel open, feel open to feeling joy. Know that joy is all around us and can enter our hearts and our minds at any moment. You might see someone's face in the store and that might light up your eyes. You might see a child giggling with their parent or their sibling You might see two friends walking down the street and how they laugh together. Joy is all around us. And I invite you to be an open container for joy that you can bring in and that you can send out to the world. So breathe right now, just breathe and feel that openness, feel the joy and breathe. And now take two more breaths One deeply in and out. And one more in and out. And come into the room with us. We welcome you. In general, we look forward to hearing your story.
1: Are you ready for me? Yes, <laughs> yes I am. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, I grew up in a, let's start by saying I grew up in a house full of music, uh, full of singing, full of guitar playing. All my brothers played the guitar. My sister played the piano. Um, and my mother was a singer opera singer, but also gospel. And um, growing up around this, you would think that I just wanted to sing. I wanted to be a a musician, but I always wanted to be a fashion designer. My mind was to go into school and design fashions, and the name was going to be Blacks by Mac. But (laughs) once I got to TCU, um, uh, I was going to go to Texas Tech first because they had a fashion merchandising, but I decided at the last minute to go to TCU, Texas Christian University, and um, there I came in late, so I was, ended up in the athletic dorm, and at that time, the coaches wanted the guys to take ballet, so they had this PE ballet course, and um, I asked, well, what can I do besides take physical education, and they said, you should take this PE ballet course, so that's what I did. And um, taking this p ballet course, uh, the teacher came up to me a, a couple of months in and said, you know, you look like you could be a dancer. So I, um, I, you know, say really? <laughs> and so she introduced me to the head of the program, which was Fernando schopenberg uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Ballet Russe, uh, Diaghilev of 1920s or so. Uh, but he danced with the offshoot of that company, which was a Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. So since he um, uh, knew people at ABT, he not only put me in private lessons at his studio with his wife. I guess it wasn't totally private because there was a little 13-year-old girl, so <laughs> it been my private. And uh, so they trained me. Uh, to the point where I could go to ABT in the summertime. And um, so I would go to ABT, study with Pat Wilde and Leon Danilian and also getting a chance to be around this wonderful period of uh, American Ballet Theater with Pat, Patrick Bissell, Leslie Brown, you know, coming in to take class with us and <laughs> we having to move, to give them a place at the bar uh, was really exciting. But uh, after that, I decided that um, I would um, go, well, I didn't decide, they kind of decided for me because at the, the three months uh, in the, those summers, uh, Pat Wild took us into the office and decided what uh, our next step would be. And she said that you probably will never get in the company. So we're gonna send you to Capitol Ballet in Silver Spring, Maryland which is uh, near Washington, DC. And I danced there for a while until our funding got cut. Um, that's when Reagan was in office and all the National Endowment for the Arts were, was cut. And so many of us left and those people who lived there uh, stayed around, but many of us left and went back home. And that's when um, I danced with Fort Worth Ballet and danced with Fort Worth Ballet for a few years um politics got in the way. And so I said, okay, I want to do something different. So dance with a modern company in Dallas, Texas, called Dancers Unlimited. And there my stage manager actually came up to me and said, you know, uh cats is coming through town. You should audition for uh cats. I said, okay. <laughs> and uh out of about, I guess of 52 guys, they kept two of us. And so um, I had to bring back that musical theater because I'd done concert dances so long, but I had to bring back that musical theater that I'd gotten from being a child, going to the theater with my mom. And then after I got in college, realized that I could do summer stock. So I would go during the summers and uh, work with people from New York and that's where I got most of my uh, kind of jazz tap training was doing those summers. And so I had to bring that in to, um, to my being to audition for Cats. And um, next thing I knew, a week later, the guy that really liked me, because he said he was rooting for that tall black guy, uh, <laughs> uh, died of a heart attack. And uh, so I said, okay, that was my chance. But a couple of months late, three months later, um, got a call from New York, Alan Wasser Associates, said, we want you to come out and audition. So they flew me out. I think it was LA, it was either LA or Miami, I don't really remember. But they flew us out and um, auditioned with, uh, who is a friend of mine now, Randy Wojcik. And we both got the show and we ended up doing the fourth national tour of Cats, where I met Terry actually. <laughs> Uh, So we did the four national tour of Cats. And after Cats, because of uh, this connection of all the uh, producers and casting directors and everything, it was a little easy to to audition for shows. And so I moved from Cats, moved out to L.A. for a little while because I wanted to be, I don't know if you guys remember this, I'm aging myself now, different world. It was a show that I loved. It was off Cosby helps you. So I moved out to LA thinking I'm going to be this uh, TV person. And then Katz called and said, we need somebody on Broadway because uh, your role, which was Alonzo, also understudied Brumpton Tugger. But my role, Alonzo, was um, uh, coming up on Broadway because the guy hurt his knee. So I moved to New York to uh, dance the show on Broadway. And then uh, moving into Miss Saigon uh, from that show. And then after Miss Saigon, uh, friends said, Phantom's having an audition. So this same group of people, you know? And uh, so I auditioned for Phantom and got that show, did that tour for a little while. But I always wanted to kind of move into more of a actor-singer role. So I talked to the director, uh, Mitchell Limsky, when I original, sorry, original Nicholas Heitner, but um, Mitchell Limsky took over. And so he um, was directing the tours and that kind of thing. So I said, if it ever opens up on tour, please let me know because I would love to do that. Uh, and um, six months, on the tour with Phantom, I get this call from Mitchell and he said, it's open, do you want it? And so they talked to each other because it was the same companies and they uh, allowed me to get out of one contract and move into the other. And so I did that for two years. It didn't turn out exactly like I wanted it to because I was understudying an iron horse who was never off And so I uh, didn't get to go on as much as I, as I had hoped, but um, I think I went on a few times and actually Terry saw me, she mentioned that she saw me go on one, uh, one of those evenings. So after, after Miss Saigon, I uh, decided I was kind of tired of traveling. So I moved to Minneapolis where I danced with uh, Minnesota Dance Theater uh, Company there. And after dancing with them, I got this call from the uh, University of Wyoming that they needed a teacher that could um, take a, one of the professors places going on sabbatical. So I did that and ended up being uh, the choreographer for a group there who, I'll explain that later, but came, uh, came full circle and I ended up directing that musical theater group at University of Wyoming later. But before I thought I wanted to get back into New York. So I moved back to New York uh, and tried to get into theater once again. But it was a little harder then because those people that were bringing the cast and directors and directors coffee were now the cast and directors. So they didn't know me from Adam. <laughs> but uh, so I said, OK, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I worked at Ann Taylor for a little while, but until my roommate came and to the apartment one day and said, You know, Martha Clark is casting um, the tall person part in Garden of Earth of Delights, which is a paint, a uh, triptych by Hieronymus Bosch. And she had done this in 1984 and uh, she brought it back in 2008. And um, so Steve flew me up in the harness and everything and said, you want the job? I said, yes, I want the job. <laughs> so I did that show for a little while. Um, and then I said, you know, it's not going to get better than this because while I was doing that show, I actually got uh, my picture on the front page of the art and leisure section in New York Times. So I said, okay, it's not going to get any better than this. So I went to graduate school at the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, and there it was a perfect situation for me because i wasn't I wasn't um ready to stop dancing yet. so I did that school um for uh two years. It was a two year program which I danced with the chamber dance uh, company there and moving from um moving from that uh, that experience, I never thought I'd be a teacher, but it seemed like the right path for me at that time. And so um, I asked my friend who I had actually met at University of Wyoming when I was teaching there. And that's why I always tell my students, don't burn bridges because you never know. And um, so I asked this Guy who danced with one of the company's guest companies, uh, Pia Pucci, to um, write a recommendation letter for me for the University of Utah, where I wanted to be the musical theater uh, uh, director. But that didn't happen because my supervisor on Phantom was actually got the job. And so I, I always tease her about that, because I say, you're off wrote a recommendation for me, recommendation for me, but Harold Prince wrote a recommendation for her. So OK, she gets the job. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, after uh, doing that, that recommendation letter, he asked me, he said, well, why don't you apply here? And so that's how I ended up here at uh, West Virginia University, where I'm associate professor of dance, and I've been here for eleven years now. But all of that led to this, and and along the way, um, along the way, those same people that helped me out when I was young connected to people that helped me out in my um, in my older age, and now um, I'm trying to give back. I guess I should say. <laughs>
0: Oh uh, well, thank you, General. Such such interesting connections. Every little chapter along the way <laughs> led to the next one. It's like it's such yeah. a wonderful path and mm-hmm. journey that you've been on. Mm-hmm. Liz, do you want to talk about an inquiry for the
2: breakout rooms? I do, and I apologize for the uh, the issue with the muting. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to tie few threads before I lead everyone into the breakout room. Um, Because I, I I live in New York. I love Broadway. It's one of my favorite things. And even when I didn't have money, uh, I would love to go in. And I just want to share a quick story before I do the inquiry, because when I had no money, I paid four times to see a chorus line on Broadway, because I (laughs) And I didn't see the original cast. I saw it a little in. And years later, so that was probably like 70s, 80s. And in 2012, I started working with an organization for the Council for Prejudice Reduction. And I worked very closely with this beautiful woman and we were doing work on uh, de-escalating violence. And uh, the woman who ran the program said, do you know Loida? I said, yes, I've been having meetings with Loida for years three years now what are you talking about and she said you know Lloyd iglesias uh was on broadway in a chorus line and i had seen her four times dance um uh, priscilla lopez was uh, was the originator but uh, what i did for love and i had seen her and as much as we were doing this deep beautiful work of teaching all I wanted to do was connect with her in that level of joy. You know, when Terry and I were talking about what you said almost the exact letters oh. they were, what brought I all I could connect with was this beautiful woman had brought so much joy. And I often think of the connection between peace and art because artists have this ability to awaken and imagine and create new visions and create joy. So I I really love having inviting artists of all kinds into our Hope Story Circle at the Peace Lines. And so I I love that part that you were this beautiful dancer, artist, and a teacher. So I think as the inquiry, I had thought of something else, but I'm going to invite into this space a question that my husband offered that I always ask. My husband is an artist, and he said that every he feels everyone came to the planet to be a healer, An artist or a teacher, or some combination of the three. We can heal through our art, we can teach through our healing. Um, And so I think the question that I'm most fascinated in after hearing General tell his story again is if you connect with your joy, what is it you think you came to heal, create, or teach? And if you tap into your joy, do you think that would help you sustain that? I love that Terry invited us to tap into joy. What is it you think you came to heal, create, or teach? And how can tapping into joy help you sustain that? Does anyone have any questions?
0: I just put that in the chat for you, Liz. Wonderful. So we're gonna go into breakout rooms and our agreements in the rooms are to speak with your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others have an opportunity to share and to keep confidentiality. When we come back to the big room, we'd love to hear what's bubbling up for you. If you have any thoughts, questions, reactions, things you'd like to share, but don't tell someone else's personal story. Talk to the themes or talk about your own story. So I'm gonna pause the recording And then we'll be back in just a little while. Welcome back everyone. It's nice to see your faces. What's bubbling up? What would anyone like to share? Feel free to come off mute and share something. Something you're feeling from your own story or a question or reaction to what was discussed? Who'd like to share? Come off mute, Jana.
3: Well, I, I missed I missed the story. So so all I was asked was, am I a healer, an artist, or a teacher? huh <laughs> and, and I'm all three, but uh, I started to share at the end when the time ran out was that I, um, I taught a course for kids, a um, middle school course. I taught it for three semesters. It was an outdoor course. And uh, it, was, it, was called F, it was called Holistic Health and Ethnobotany. But wow. it was really like an herbal medicine course for kids and healing. So I taught them to be healers for themselves and others. And the medical, middle school kids really loved it. And, you know, I mean, like they would tell me that, you know, they traveled and that, you know, whatever, they had some sore or pimple or whatever, and that calendula salve really worked or, you know, they'd come back with all kinds of stories. So I have a link I can share. Um,
0: Love that. That sounds marvelous.
3: I did that some years ago. But anyway, thank you for the question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. anyone else like to share anything bubbling up
4: um i shared also that i'm all three um general thank you for your story and uh the the piece about connections um that you mentioned and liz brought up was mind-blowing because carolyn and i we were in the room together first and not only do we share a name, but we share that we're also followers of St. Francis. Uh, So (laughs) we got to just just uh, talk about, you know, those things. Cause she asked me about the animator and my name. And I said that, you know, I animate uh, peace and justice and and social issues and nonviolent living and making those connections was just wonderful. And also, i do that as an artist and a healer and a teacher um which i think you know um i think all of us are to a certain extent you know but we just may not see it you mm-hmm. know uh, carolyn says she gardens and knits mm-hmm. i i think that's that's creative that's being an artist that's that's amazing and that's what brings us joy when we can do those things. and not only it brings joy for us, but it radiates that joy out to others. who receives whatever we're um, creating or, you know, uh, teaching. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's lovely to make those connections and share. So thank you. Thank you all for being here.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think we are all at least one of those three, if not more. Yeah.
5: So, this fabulous connection did the computer put the groups together, or did you say those two have the same name? (laughs) No,
0: the computer didn't. I'm not (laughs) not responsible.
5: (laughs) Serendipity how we have similar interests she is going to be my resource because i've recently signed up to help with a group and i have no idea where i'm going or what i'm doing and now i have a connection and then when you ask about the three i identify as a teacher because i taught elementary school for 40 years but you're so right and jenna reinforced teachers have to be all three and we agreed that right now our school's Need the teachers and the students, our nation need help because art has been eliminated or is being eliminated. Yeah. And the stress on academics and children need to be children first and after the confinement of the pandemic, the need for expression, whether it be physical or artistic, you know, in, in many, many ways, is just really pervasive amongst young people. Of all ages. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful observations, Carolyn. I I, yeah, I think I think universally there's there's a concern about our young folks after the pandemic is what you know, how they're going to evolve past it. Um I I think of the really little ones as the ones that don't have enough life experience to realize that this is only a, a short time period we're going through you know, that that's been their whole existence. It's like, how do they get back into life and learning social skills and not be afraid of being with people? I just, you know, I think of those things. I just wonder how, you know, how they're all going to evolve. I I have every confidence that they'll be okay. I have to believe that, but, you know, it's going to be a process, you know, it's going to be a process in general before we close you were talking about your experience teaching during covid and when we were in the breakout room do you want to share any of that
1: oh i was i was just saying how um there were some great things about it and there were some good uh some not so good things about it but it it gave us a chance to like explore new territory as as professors and students and um <clears throat> how we would deliver dance online or uh, uh, dance history. I also taught how do we do that online. And uh, my students, they were just so positive during that period that um, I think they had we all had to be creative at that time and and they were very uh, giving and accept and accepting to what we had to deliver. Uh, I was just gonna, as Queen uh, Car- uh, Carolyn mentioned that about. Have you guys ever seen um, Ken Robinson's? Um, do schools uh, stunt creativity, or do they take? Uh, do they train you? Anyway, it's a Ken Robinson TED talk. Mm. You have to watch it. It's it's Ken Robinson. I I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's do schools. Stunt creativity or something like that, but and he talked about Gillian Lynn in that, who was choreographer for Cat. But anyway, um if you get a chance to listen to that, it was the same thing that this we stay so concerned in school now with things like teaching to the test, and te- it takes that creativity away from the teacher, you know, mm-hmm. to do as they think the student needs.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken Robinson. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Well, I put some links in the chat. Um, The Hope Story Circle is brought to you by the Peace Alliance. And our mission is to educate, advocate, and mobilize people into action to transform systems and public policy toward a culture of peace. And our vision is that we cultivate peace building to create a world where everyone and everything thrives. So our website is peacealliance.org. Our podcast link is there as well. Peace on. And a link about our hope story circles. You can look at that and invite your friends to join us here. The blueprint for peace. There's a link for that. That's a major initiative that we've had going for a couple of years now. And if you sign that petition, then it will send a message to all of your elected officials, locally, state level and federal, to let them know that you support policy related to violence reduction and building peace. Um, there's also a link about the Department of Peacebuilding legislation. It was just reintroduced to Congress, HR 1111, to create a cabinet-level Department of Peacebuilding. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size, so there's a link on the website to donate and a calendar of events so you can find out when our next Hope Story Circle is going to be. We're on the second and fourth Saturdays of every month It's peacealliance.org calendar. And also there are other things that we have going on that you
2: might be interested in joining us.
0: So with that, I'm going to hand it back to you, Liz, to close us
2: out. Yeah, in this very small group, I'm going to try to say all this in the three minutes or so we have. Uh, I've meditated every day since 1987 on the prayer of St. Francis. So that, you know, we have that in common. It's my favorite prayer. And I actually ended up teaching at St. Francis of Assisi School. So, um, But I want to tell you a story about a very special student that I taught once and I was teaching in a private school and some years we had a budget for an art teacher and some years we did not. So we each had to teach our own art classes and I am not an artist and it it seemed a disservice but I was a history teacher and I appreciated art. And so I used to try to bring art and history together. And one year when I was starting a, um, a unit on war, I don't know if any of you know, uh, Picasso's uh, La Guernica it's a, it's a mural, right? And it's, it, it's about bombing the Spanish civil war. And I showed them a picture of how, when he was young, he painted very realistic portraits. And then I showed them La Guernica. And I said, why do you think someone who could paint like this painted like that? And one of the boys said, I don't know, maybe he had a stroke. And I said, no. (laughs) Um, And I said, well, what do you think of it? And the same boy said, well, I wouldn't hang it in my house because it's ugly. And there was a young girl, Ileana, and she was sitting in the back. And as only a middle school girl can do, she went, it's about war, it's supposed to be ugly. And I had, and it was so awakening, I loved it. And that week we were having a parent teacher night and Ileana was the most talented artist I ever seen. She was beautiful, her colors, everything she did. And her mother sat down with me. And we were middle school, so they had six teachers. And I taught history. And her mother came in and said, Mrs. Graydon, you have to talk to my Eliana. She says she wants to be an artist. And I told her that's no way to make a living. And she listens to you and she respects you. So you need to tell her that that's not a good thing to do. And I looked at her mother and I said, Ileana has five other teachers. If you want someone to tell Ileana not to be an artist, you're gonna have to talk to one of the five other teachers because I think she must be an artist. Um, And I said, you can put boundaries on it. You can say she has to keep her math grade up and she has to do these things. And I wanna tell you, I have stayed in touch with her and Ileana went to Italy to study um, culinary arts. And she's a chef in Florence right now where she's surrounded by art and creating art with cooking. So I just wanted to tell you, General, thank you for prompting this story, for doing what you did for love. And I appreciate both Carolyn's and Jana saying, we are all three, but I would like maybe as we send us off into the week, and the next two weeks to think about those ways where we can awaken the artist in all of us, right? I think you're all right, healer, artist, teacher. But I think that idea of connecting in art, it's such a profoundly beautiful thing to be in the world. So General, I'm thankful for your story. I'm thankful for your uh, commitment to both art and teaching. And I'm thankful for all of you who show up here every every Hope Story Circle.
1: Thank you.
0: Feel free to come off mute and say something if anyone wants to say goodbye. Thank you so much, General, for being with us today.
1: Thank you. It was great. It was great. Yes,
5: thank you. Thank you very much. Right on. Nice meeting you,
1: everybody.
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance,
1: Found at peacealliance.org.